bioterrorism, nuclear Cold War technology, spiritual horticulture, advanced daikaiju genetics, psychic powers, and more are on full display in one of the most sensational genre mashups of the Big G's filmography since the invasion of Astro Monster. Please join us this week as we travel back to Japan to close out the 1980s with one of the biggest films of the decade. This is Kaiju vs. History, Godzilla vs. Biolante. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is a scientist dad just trying to connect to his flowery daughter, Miles. And joining me is the coolest shades-wearing, Seradian secret agent of all time, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing this week? I wear my sunglasses at night to steal Big G stem cells. <laughs> He's wearing a heart reference for those uh, who don't know what he just did there. He's wearing sunglasses in the first scene, right? He's wearing sunglasses all <laughs> the, the time. The He's kind of a non-character, which is so weird about him. Yeah, um, yeah, he's just kind of an antagonist. You know, he shows up and starts shooting people and, and yeah, doing he, donuts I mean, in the dirt around them. <laughs> his, his little uh, sports car, 1980s sports car. First of all, this is such a breath of fresh air for the 1980s because outside of the Return of Godzilla, y'all y'all know the time I've had with the 1980s so far. Well, it's been, I will say, even more so than the 1970s, a bunch of bad movies that have been at least pretty fun to watch for me. <laughs> I mean, there there has been that. I mean, despite some of the scores I've given, like, you know, there's fun to be had in mm-hmm. like King Kong Lives, despite the fact that I gave it, you know, the score I did. Hugh the Winged um, Serpent. Really bad movie, but very fun. Yeah, but Qu- oh, Q is so fun to watch. I mean, I'm a Larry <laughs> Cohen fan, so that's that's on its own thing. Yeah. But now we've come to, I mean, one of the movies I think we referenced in the first episode of this show. This is this is a film that has become kind of like the Godzilla film for people to watch when someone asks, oh, you know, I'm, I seriously want to watch like a great Kaiju film other than, you know, the, the quote unquote classics. What should I watch? Mm. And before we get into this, I do want to talk a lot about this film in general, Patrick, go ahead and tell us what's in a title. Well, of course, this is the first film in the Heisei series that gives us the era's second name i guess not the era but the the film series second name which is the versus series because mm-hmm. each entry after this one including this one have verses in the title godzilla always first versus the main monster of of the movie and obviously this has been done before but when six out of the seven films all have verses i can understand this being called the verses uh, right because you also had you know Gita with the 300 monster ibrahim or the deep uh destroy all monsters all monsters attack you had a variety of other titles outside of it was mostly the championship series right outside of the king kong and mothra movies yeah you're right all the champion stuff was the verses and even then you still had terror of mechagodzilla yeah, yeah. A little outside the norm. So that that's what we know it as. That is also, I think, the the literal Japanese title for the, the film, uh Gojira Tai Bayorante. I mean, that's that's exactly the translation. It is called some different things in different places, and you know, for good reason. Mexico had it as Godzilla too. That was the original idea for the the title, the script was i think called godzilla 2 for for a long time portugal has it as godzilla's counterattacks which is a fun little uh, almost a nod to um raids again yeah godzilla raids again because that was the the name the japanese name for <laughs> the actual godzilla 2 <laughs> from 1955 six? six uh god godzilla's counterattacks Godzilla against Biolante is is another one that we we get in a couple places all over the world. <laughs> for some for some reason, Greece had it as Godzilla two thousand. I don't know. I don't know why. Oh, getting a little ahead of yourself there, Greece. Well, and not too far away, it came out in Thailand in I believe nineteen ninety, and it was called Godzilla nineteen ninety there. Which that's fine. Makes we, sense. we did that with Return of Godzilla, so I can't fault them for that. We called it Godzilla nineteen eighty five. So you know, 
That's, Here's that's some fair. Good, some good ones, though. Germany called it Godzilla, the ancient giants. <laughs> uh, Germany. But the, 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 at, least the, it, at least they're not using Frankenstein anymore, which is yeah. wild, because if you were going to use Frankenstein in a, in a one Godzilla movie, the one with the scientist trying to bring back his it's, daughter's soul. It's genetic Frankenstein, for sure. Yeah. And Taiwan released this movie as just the direct translation just came out as big dinosaurs, which <laughs> do they <laughs> a, not know who Godzilla of, is? It reminds me of Hulk in Thor Ragnarok, where he's like, big monster. Well, it's it's like if they they took a James Bond film and gave it the title Spy People, you know, it's like, right. I guess it's technically so, true, but uh, so it's a very, very specific character. This watch through, I do want to talk about the, the nature of the title for a little bit, because I understand this is the versus series. Every single movie after this will be Godzilla versus, you know, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, Godzilla versus Godzilla 2, Space Godzilla, Destoroyah. I almost wish this movie was not called Godzilla versus Biollante mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel like a versus movie. It mm. feels so. The thing about this movie, it's a lot, me, of, a lot of repercussions of Godzilla in general. You know? Right. It, it feels like a, a genuine sequel to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, and this is the reputation of the movie. It's the first film to me since Gojira that really kind of nails the the kind of scientific impact of what Godzilla might bring. Mm-hmm. And, and this one d- does the most to kind of feel like a movie similar to 54's Gojira in terms of the story and the impact of said story. But the versus Biollante, yes, Godzilla and Biollante do face off two times in this film. And I mean, they're cool sequences, mm-hmm. but I don't, they're not real fights in some aspects. And I don't think the fights are really the point of the movie. And I, I almost wish they had called this even just Godzilla 2, because mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of sets the wrong expectations for what this movie brings and what this movie delivers, because this movie delivers a, a crackerjack script. I, and yeah, I, I, if I were to give it a new name, I would want to go more artsy with it, because this is definitely. Yes does not feel like the other versus movies in, in the Heisei series, which for the most part feel more like the championship series. It's right. Like, they're, they're, I mean, they're soccer monster <laughs> movies for sure. This is not that this is, I mean, this is, you gotta like think about like Godzilla subtitle death and roses or something like that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, something crazy because I mean, this movie kind of reflects on a lot of the late eighties science fiction that we're getting from Japan. You know, oh, your, yeah. your Akira, your, your ghost in the shell mangas, like mm-hmm. the stuff that like this this deep seated like their their science fiction is so interesting and are and is really like asking questions because a lot of American sci fi outside of some of the horror stuff in the eighties wasn't like your John Carpenter movies are, is asking questions and you have a couple of things that have some neat ideas but really the cyberpunk movement in the states like your Neil Stevenson and Billy Gibson yeah William Gibson like they're they're posing interesting questions. But Japan's kind of going the extra step. Like their science fiction kind of coincides with body horror, mm-hmm. and they do some really interesting stuff. So this movie does reflect kind of the attitude of Japanese science fiction of the late '80s. And aesthetically, I mean, maybe not story wise, but aesthetically, this is like one of my favorite cyberpunk films yeah, of, of mean, all time. Just I mean, like Biolante is so feel. cool. Like it's. It's like it's like John Carpenter's The Thing meets Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. And Little Shop of Horrors that you know we name dropped in the episode for I think King Kong Lives came out at the same time. And one of the reasons this movie got pushed back so far was because King Kong Lives did open in Japan and did not do very well in Japan. It's like one of the first King Kong movies to not do gangbusters in Japan. But well, they went to <laughs> listen to my opinion last week to find out why. Well, they, they went through with it because movies like Little Shop of Horrors did do well. So there's still, you know, a love for puppetry for those kind of monsters and you know they had uh, developed a script that had a giant plant monster so yeah we have, I, we have I, I maybe that, that movie first to monster think a little bit. i love that our first monster back is a new creature and oh, I'm, I'm one of the most interesting ones i mean I other than other than hetera i think like I, I would say this is a very much shares a lot of dna with, with godzilla versus hetera 
And this one just, I mean, what a cool monster. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the technical aspect, but I love it. I I, I think I love the, the first permutation of the, the rose a little bit more than, you know, the, the final one. But I, I love all kind of steps of the monster. And Yeah, I mean, th- this is our first monster that has... Well, in the in the Heisei era, obviously we had Hetera that was the first proper monster that had a, a metamorphosis that it goes through. But yeah, yeah, this ha- I'm going to talk about that as well later. This happens several times in the Heisei era. This is a a trend that we see where you have a creature turning into different things, and it makes it so much more interesting. Let's talk a, a second. I mean, I guess let's let's set up the stage for Godzilla versus Hetera because this one kind of starts initially. Right after the first movie ends. Yeah, the majority of the movie takes place in real time five years, maybe four years after Return of Godzilla, because I think they place the rampage in this movie in 1985. I think there's a plaque that that puts there's a Godzilla memorial like garden or something that we see. I think this does is supposed to take place in 1989. So four years later, but it starts immediately after the rampage of Godzilla in, in the 1984 film, and you see different organizations cleaning up the and trying to collect cells from Godzilla's wounds. You know, he, he got shot with whatever magnesium tip bullets that the X, X1 had. So there's right. like, you know, wounds, his wounds around Tokyo. And we see government officials trying to stop people from like looting these cells. And it kind of sets off a an arms race for this, this genetic material. I love that concept because you think if, if the international community got wind of a giant monster that had been rampaging and then got taken down to some degree in Tokyo, there would be so many groups, either criminal or, or black ops. Yeah. I think that first from other countries that would a hundred percent be looking for stuff like this. I think it's Americans that are shown getting killed by this or, a uh, Seradian agent, which first, yeah, and, uh, may as well, they may well has called Seradia not Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's a made up country, and I, I, we we talked about this. It's when, a made up Middle Eastern country that when, uh, has gotten their money from oil. Like yeah. it is a hundred percent Saudi Arabia. It just it feels so comic booky, and it feels also like a great throwback to the Showa era where we had all these like made up nations yeah. and, and uh, Atlantean peoples oh. and stuff like that. Do you want to pause to take note that because because this happens in the the opening sequences immediately the score is great and the eighties rock version of the Godzilla theme is dynamite. I I love it so much. They brought back the Akira Ifakube themes, but the the folks but hearing that, it wailing on like an eighties rock guitar, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, like, Koichi Sugiyama did did the music, and I think it, there was also someone that helped arrange some some bits. Knocked it. it out of the park. I I like Mondo's been putting out some of these uh, Godzilla scores. Uh, they need to like dial back. I mean, look, thanks for giving us Destoroya, but like, give me Godzilla versus Biollante because this score is incredible. Yeah, for for real, and it, it's it is Return of Godzilla was such like a safe music wise yeah. and and because they couldn't get a cure ifakube back they felt like they didn't want to ask him perhaps to use all that original great godzilla music which is which oh, is but not shame. this time we even get the frigate march which is like one of my favorite jams yep yep the updated frigate march super good super good um <laughs> uh yeah so the, the main plot does take place i guess right kind of right after that where we have our, our main character scientist whose lab gets uh, bombed by a terrorist organization where they're studying the Godzilla cells and our, our main character's daughter dies and womp womp. he fast forwards later is, is experimenting on using her DNA and Godzilla's in breeding flowers, breeding roses. And that is where the the formation of Biolante kind of comes from in in a, a a pretty great you know very that scene where the 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 vines the tentacle vines kind of come to life is is a 
it does feel kind of John Carpenter esque. <laughs> the, the, it does, and scene. and knowing, I mean, especially this past year, uh, knowing what a huge fan Carpenter is of mm-hmm. the Showa era Godzilla films, like I feel like you know, I, I haven't heard him talk about the movie, this movie, but like I, I'm sure he's at least touched that. Like, hey, they they are certainly taking notes for me, and I love this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, our main doctor is uh, Doctor Kazuto Kirishima, and he's played by uh, Kunihiko Mitamura. He, he's great in this. This film, though, does introduce the Miki character, played by Megumi Odaka, who is, who is our, amazing. Yeah, she's our through thread through the rest of the movies. She is a psychic who it has like a connection with Godzilla, is able to like and kind of sense when he's near. I, ha- I have to think that she influences the Heisei Gamera films that trilogy because of you know when they use steven seagal's daughter in in those movies with a very similar kind of through thread but like megumi uh odaka like i think she's the the at least the only character in the the, the character in the godzilla franchise that has a through thread like she's in every single one of these from here on out well it's it's such a shame because they had so many similar characters in the showa era but they never you know right um, had someone kind of like return Outside of, you know, the, the the doctor returning for that short scene and raids again. And uh, she is coming out of retirement this year. Yeah, yeah. There, there's I'm, I'm so excited for that. Like there's a in there's general, a, a, there's there's a lot of love for these Heisei films that is is coming around because there's another project that is um Oh, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the one that I'm thinking of is the, the Hoshi 35. Hoshi 35, yeah. Which 100%. is, yeah, it's kind of like a tribute to. Yeah, it's a, it's a kickstarted kaiju movie that's that's currently being made. And Mugumi Odaka is part of it. And it's her first film since Godzilla vs. Destroya. And I think her first screen appearance yeah. since it, 2000. It is set to launch October 21st, 2023 and be the 35th anniversary of Megumi as an actress and indeed is her first role in 30 years since 1995. Which I'm excited. Like we don't get a ton of Miki in this movie. Like, I mean, she's certainly a, a main plot point, but we don't get a lot of her character until future movies, but I, mm-hmm. her performance is awesome. I get why they were like, Oh, we can, we can rest this franchise on her shoulders because she was what? 17 when this movie comes out. Yeah. And she's she teen. is crushing it. Like she has the just the presence of a seasoned actor and just kills it. I love her in this film and mm-hmm. she a hundred percent deserves all the praise that she gets. And especially the reputation of being the one through thread Godzilla character, like just to have the way she commands certain scenes and especially being that young, she just has an innate ability to feel the emotion of a scene and and deliver exactly what she needs to do and i i am blown away by her her subtle performance in this movie and i mean obviously you know the reputation of the of the heisei area seeing these movies she just she kills it and not her first role but she was in princess from the moon a movie we did not watch for the podcast but it is a tokusatsu japanese i believe toho mm-hmm. pictures extravaganza that came out in 1987 and uh she she was you know a uh, like a, a small part in in that film but yeah uh, this is like her first you know kind of main role and, and she'll go on like like we said you, you know, we, we're gonna talk about her a lot more next, yeah next ab- season. absolutely <laughs> yeah so that that's the basic plot um we've got now yeah, Ceradian agents, we've got geneticists, we got corporations, we got psychics, like all these interesting things mixed into a stew, but it is still all focused on Godzilla, which is what makes this work so well, you know? Yeah, I, I love that that, you know, Godzilla is the eminent threat. And even even when Biolante appears, no one seems overtly or Biolante, as they call them in, in, in the film. No one seems overly concerned about the giant plant monster. Everyone is very concerned about Godzilla coming back. And that's the cool thing about, about the Heisei era is, you know, even though we have several versus films and then Godzilla does kind of revert back to being a bit of a hero, you've got this dangerous edge to Godzilla still. And 
also probably my favorite Godzilla suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm holding my um, Biogoji SH Figuarts figure that that I got. This is, I think, without a doubt, my favorite Godzilla costume suitimation. Yeah, me too. Um, it it works so well. The changes that they made from Return of Godzilla to to make the head smaller, kind of elongate the neck, just I think has perfected kind of the form moving forward. It, it certainly feels like the, the, the definitive Godzilla look. Yeah, we're going to get some. They're going to play around with it a good deal in the Millennium series later in the, the 2000s. And there are some mm-hmm. very good ones that come out. There of are. That, I feel like they make a snout too kind of thin in, in some of those. Yeah. G- GMK, I think, is is a very good suit as well. Th- this one is just is just so iconic and it does so much for the Heisei series that uh, if if you're like you know think of Godzilla, this is what I think of, and then maybe like one of the Showa era suits with like oh the, yeah, I mean the, the, the furry the, eyebrows, the, yeah the 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 Megalon and versus Gigan where like he pops up over the the mountain where you got the that that angry boy look is is still a god tier moment for me. It's my favorite, but this is kind of when I think of Godzilla because I'm not thinking of that classic Showa like suit. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm thinking of is yeah. when I think of Godzilla as a threat, it's this. And I love this suit. They don't do as much with the animatronics in his face as they did in Return of Godzilla, which well, and, and I Return, wish they had. They also had the the giant Godzilla head that they, mm-hmm. they could they could use for those shots. But yeah, they I think they develop more head animatronics as the Heisei series goes on. It's been a while since I've, I've rewatched them, but I, I agree with you there that that kind of characterization with the pseudimation isn't a a focus for this series. No, know? and it's it's certainly um, not for this movie because it's more about the threat that Godzilla represents. And mm-hmm. it, we're talking about the thematic threat of what ends up being Biolante, the the biotechnology and and I I like this theme because it's taking the next step. Okay, we're not as focused on nuclear power, but here's what we're currently doing in the 80s, or at least it's what we're talking about. And here is the potential problem with that. And I love that we get back to this, like posing questions, being real science fiction. And, you know, obviously using Godzilla to kind of speculate, well, what if we took it this far? And I, I think it's the first time in the series, other than versus Hedera, that we really get, and really even... Hetera is still magic in a sense, whereas this one is us tampering with biotechnology and then you have scientists and stuff delivering similar lines as they did in Gojira from 54. This is what happens when we mess with stuff that maybe we shouldn't be or we do it in a certain way where it's unchecked. And and they use the the at the time current political climate as a commentary of, well, also what happens when you have countries who don't care about checking and mm-hmm. you leave scientists who are driven by grief unchecked and oh we have a giant monster yeah that, that it's so funny to try and describe it but it just fits so well around the the imminent threat war of era godzilla in this movie one thing i absolutely love in this film and i didn't write down in my notes was the godzilla threat level that like for yeah uh, his return that they introduced in this film. So since they're like, you know, aren't sure that Godzilla is dead after return of Godzilla, he's, he's in a volcano. He could probably live through that. They've developed like, f- I think it's a four stage thing of like, yeah, Godzilla like, activity is like, like potential is like a one. And it goes all the way down to like, so like, Oh, we heard, we've, heard, we've heard like a voice and then, yeah, part you know, of that is like psychic confirmation. <laughs> you know, we've, yeah, we've and then like brain activity of Godzilla, earthquakes, and then obviously, oh, four is like we've seen Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, like visual contact yeah. and like he's on the move. That's great. That is such a a real thing that would ha- probably happen if a giant monster attack. Oh yeah works very well you, you mentioned hetera and and I, I don't know if you're reading my notes but i had a, a whole long thing where no, i i'm actually not this is the the movie that i would compare most to godzilla versus biolante is it's versus hetera oh absolutely and, i mean besides both of them kind of bouncing off and going further than the ideas of just nuclear 
proliferation both do kind of like seem to want to focus on science as you know a way to like better the world both monsters we mentioned have multiple forms and stages in in the movie and like it's one of those things like well well, just when you thought you've seen everything it comes back bigger and worse (laughs) and I, i think for me the difference between the two is is hetera seems like magic pollution whereas Biolante is specifically created. Yeah. I think in both movies as well, Godzilla does feel kind of like a underdog in the fights in, in, in some instances, like he really gets beat up in Hedera. And in this movie, the size difference adds so, so much to Mm -hmm. us, like, you know, kind of worrying (laughs) about, about the big G towards the end. Well, that and like, I mean, this movie's weird because it's, in a way, anticlimactic because Hedera, I mean, it's Hedera, uh, Biolante does not die. It just kind of goes away. And uh, well, I think the cells that kind of like go into space, I think that's what they use for, for space, space Godzilla. Godzilla I think, I think so, you're right. I like because like Biolante, I guess, assumes that they've defeated Godzilla and they, you know, boop, go away. And then Godzilla ends up getting up and then just walking away. <laughs> Like that, that's again, that's what job's done. (laughs) I have a problem with the versus because like, yes, you do have confrontation between Biolante and Godzilla, but it's not really a versus movie. Like there's also like a familial relation with them because this is a creature made with Godzilla Godzilla cells. cells. And, and the, the scientist even says like, they are the same in a sense. And I think Godzilla, like when the creatures like, you know, wilding out is like, you know, I'm going to, teach you a lesson but it's still not mm-hmm. like understood by godzilla that like this is the kind of the same and which is, which is neat i i mean i really like i think violante is a crazy cool creature I, it's a bummer that they don't come back like it's yeah it's honestly a shame that we don't have that creature returning because the story would be amazing mm-hmm. well we we do in kind of spirit i would say the other film in this series that's closest to versus Biolante is versus Destroya. Destroya, yeah. Because we got another sure. multi-stage creature that is like born out of science run amok. So spiritual yeah. sequel for sure. And also the end of the, the ASA series. And that's that's what I love about this this franchise is is I mean it's kind of equal parts because you have the return of some classics, you get you get your Ghidorah back, Mothra. Mecha Godzilla, but you also have like two really cool new monsters that I think really define the era because yeah, the movie I mean, technically kind of three with Space Godzilla, but yeah, some I mean, people love Space Godzilla. They they I, just absolutely look, love I it. like Space Godzilla. I wish there was a little bit more to his design. I know there were initial some mm-hmm. other ideas like Ghost Godzilla, which sounded awesome. <laughs> uh, and they use a little bit Ghost of that in GMK. Oh man, what a can you imagine? <laughs> He's so sick. Ghost. But I mean, and I like Space Godzilla. He's a cool, chonky boy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in terms of like, I would say the things that define the era, even though I, I do think that Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is, I mean, I, I saw the movie a ton as a kid. Mm-hmm. But Bilante and Destoroya, I think, define this era because people talk about those movies like being the standouts. Obviously, the one that, that quote unquote killed Godzilla and the weird creature that that did something that felt like like for me this this almost feels like the real return of godzilla like if they had just not made return of godzilla and just did this because even in return of godzilla godzilla just wakes up and they explain yeah. it like oh yeah godzilla doesn't die if they had just skipped that movie and gotten to here whew, gangbusters yeah it, it's one of the things that's it it really does feel kind of superfluous in the series because not just not as many connections in that that first movie but all the rest of them feel really you know inter interwoven Let, let's talk a little bit about the the history of the production of this film because it is weird that it took five years five for years them yeah it's to, wild to put together this sequel part of that is cold feet it the movie did very well 1984's return of godzilla but it didn't do really gangbusters you know it didn't i guess exceed expectations which is you know same thing the 1976 king kong didn't it did very well but it didn't do like we need to make a sequel next year kind yeah of well. i mean it didn't do like james cameron numbers you know 
Yeah. Um, from like he makes Avatar, and then no matter how you feel about that franchise, it's the highest grossing movie of all time. You know, but, but they also didn't have like a really suitable script to immediately run with. So right. yeah, it would take five years. Five years would elapse before we get versus Biolante that opened December sixteenth, nineteen eighty nine, one day short of being five years to the day since Return of Godzilla. And they also returned the the story contests that they used to run. Yeah, yeah. So we we've had like make a monster with with kids putting in Jet Jaguar and stuff like that. But yeah, they. In the show era, they also did take script solicitations from non-professional writers for ideas for, for some of the movies, which is, I think, where we got Terror of Mechagodzilla's script. And, um, oh, gosh, the, 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 the author of that just passed away. Uh, uh, Shinjiro Kobayashi? Yeah, so yeah, so the the female author for for Terra Mecha Godzilla, I think. Oh, oh, for Terra Mecha. So I'm sorry. Hers was a spec script, but they did the same thing in a contest for after Return of Godzilla. Initially, there were I think ten finalists, but there were over five thousand submissions, and then like five absolute finalists that got their script to, you know, to be read by T- Tomiyuka Tanaka and some of the other producers. Uh, one of them was uh, Kazuki Amori's script, but finally the, the last script was a part-time writer, full-time dentist in his, I think, late 20s, Shin- Shinichiro Kobayashi. Yeah, that's what I just mentioned, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was the script for, for this film, and there were a lot of revisions from their original idea, which was was mostly called Godzilla 2 at that point. One of the things that got scrapped from the initial script was a fight against a ratfish monster hybrid named Due Talios. I'm into it. I'm, <laughs> which, I am. I would have loved to have that in this movie. In, in the script, I think that is instead of Bailante in Rose form, the monster fight that would happen on the lake. So it's kind of. Okay. Fish hybrid. I don't want to talk about it too much, but one of the runner ups was an American writer named James Bannon, who had a script about Godzilla fighting an advanced AI, like kind of a, a rip on Mecha Godzilla, but like a giant computer monster, also called Godzilla 2. But they took the Godzilla out of it and used elements of that script for another film from Toho in 1989, which was Gunhead. That movie is real fun. It's great. I probably haven't seen it in 30 years, but I did watch it as a child. I think it's it's <laughs> I remember. I feel like I feel like the movie's been making the rounds again recently. It's a really, really fun movie. I, I I'd like to watch it again because I probably haven't seen it in at least 15, 20 years. But it's it's a blast. And especially if you like mecha stuff or if you're into like, you know, Gundam and Robotech and, and that kind of stuff like or if you like the movie Robot Jocks. Like, yeah. A hundred percent. This movie's for you. So, so the the final scriptwriter for versus Biolante was Kazuki Amori, who took all the submissions and and looked through them. And yeah, this is the one that we we got with the the base of of versus Biolante was in that original idea. You know, I think a giant genetic kind of monster was was the base. We didn't get a four jawed Biolante, which was in the script, but we got a you know. Pretty cool uh, monster at be, the end. That'd be cool. But yeah, this project was revived. It, I think they were originally wanting to get a 1986 release for a sequel to Return of Godzilla, but uh, they pushed it back and it came out for Godzilla's like 35th anniversary year in 1989. Tell them why they pushed it back. Uh, well, we mentioned it earlier. Yeah, they probably got cold feet because they brought King Kong Lives to Japan and it didn't do very well. Which but, which proves my point. King Kong ruins everything. Well, it, it is so funny because we we talked about it last week out like it might have done super well in Germany, but <laughs> not not so much Great. in Japan. But once again, it's ten years after the movie came out. This one's only five years after Return of of Godzilla. So at the very least, this did very well to keep the Heisei series alive. But unfortunately, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. This film didn't do gangbusters either. <laughs> it didn't, but people really liked it. I think it did better on video, which is yeah. something you're going to start to see. Uh, yeah, things I like can he, say like for these series. Here, it was released 
on HBO. Like it was mm-hmm. quote unquote directed video, but like HBO got first dibs. And I, I mean, I remember when this movie came out and it was, I mean, had to see it. Oh, like yeah. I, I had to see it. And cause I was, I think five or six and I had just like been watching Godzilla movies on your Saturday afternoon kind of things. And like HBO is advertising this new Godzilla movie, which especially if you're coming from watching show era stuff. And then one that looks like current, looks amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my little mind was blown. And I mean, as far as cinematography goes, this is like one of my favorite looking Godzilla films as well. Of course, uh, Kazuki Amori also directed this film. Um, we, we, we've mentioned him taking on the, the writing duties, but he would direct this and the next film, Godzilla versus uh, King Ghidorah. Yeah. And then he just he kind of shuffles into being a writer. Writer and um, producer for the rest of the the Heisei series, yeah, yeah. He, I think he did a great job with this film. He did. Oh, absolutely. I think it's very well directed. Well, he he introduced all these elements to the the submitted script that, and, and he mentioned in interviews afterwards, he wanted to make more Western style movies, a la James Bond, a la you know character study films, which is why a lot of people do dislike this movie because it is so heavily based on these human character stories. But like I said, for me, all the human character stories are focused around Godzilla. So they all work for this Kaiju film, you know? Yeah. So here's something that's popped up. I really want to say since the 2014 film is people always want to be hypercritical all of a sudden about the human stories. Nine times out of 10, the human stories are okay and passable. Mm -hmm. And like here you have, Genuine pathos in a good chunk of the human's motivations and a really, really good story that I, I want to say this is a late stage criticism because I, yeah, I don't see that. I, I well, think it, everything, especially at the time, works so well. And mm-hmm. I think, frankly, what we need to see happen, and this is just me making a general kaiju cinema statement. I think we do need a couple stories where there is very minimal humans and it's just the kaiju because I feel like no one has made that movie because I feel like, oh, people aren't going to pay attention if it's just the monsters doing things. But, you know, and no matter how you feel about it, because I, I know you personally, no matter how you feel about the film, Wally has almost no dialogue for most of its movie and oh, people yeah. paid attention just fine. So I feel like, well, it, I mean, it's like Godzilla film with with very little humans would work perfectly. I mean, Godzilla versus King Kong is like pr- as close as it got in the, the modern era. It's that's a lot of yeah. those two monsters. <laughs> well, there's also a lot of human shenanigans because you have yeah. Eleven and Paperboy <laughs> going like through the weirdest tunnel. Get that Paperboy. Ju- Get that Paperboy. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, lo- I love I love Brian Tyree. He's so good. <laughs> uh, he is going to be in the next one. I think they've they've already. I think said. he is as well. Yeah. Director Amori helped push the Heisei series because a lot of them will take influences from Western films moving forward. We've got like time traveling aliens in versus Ghidorah, but also (laughs) we will talk about it next season. Very much a Terminator character in that movie (laughs) and in scenes from the Terminator. So yeah, Hollywood films kind of influencing these Godzilla films. I, I enjoy Though I, uh, I I do agree with him because I you know so he felt that the series had gotten bogged down by its conservative production methods and and ideas because you know and I mean you you can look go back and and listen to how I feel about you know versus Mechagodzilla but the the series did sort of get bogged down by Toho you know going back to old reliable and I'm mm-hmm. not being wild and weird with its science fiction the what makes 1954's Gojira great is that it's a wild and weird science fiction story that happens to feature a giant creature named Gojira or Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And that series has gotten away and like you have cool creatures that pop up. Like, I mean, I love Invasion of, the Ma- of Astro Monsters. I love Gita the Three Headed Monster. They're phenomenal. But like every time you, it, it's almost like comics. Like every time you, you introduce a cool villain, oh, we're just going to reuse that. Mm-hmm. And it's going to pop up here as opposed to Hey, let's make the next cool story. And yeah, if we have something cool with that villain, we're going to use it. But no, we're just going to have Ghidorah pop up as a backup for other creatures. And I, I, I do agree with uh, Amori in that I feel like they they weren't getting getting crazy. And 
this movie starts the franchise's tendency to get a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, b- besides trying to appeal to wider audiences, I think it's just just a good idea to make these films feel like great mashups of of genres. Yeah, because I mean, I think you think of the stories that we're we're going to get. Because I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. for for you and I, we're very familiar with this era, even if we haven't watched it a little bit. And these stories get very wild. Yeah. Yeah, versus Gita is so off the wall. That, honestly, <laughs> the the most wild I think this franchise ever gets in terms of a storytelling, like a time travel story with Godzilla, it's it's nutty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, Miles, filming for this movie started in August of 1989. The movie came out in December. They only they only wrapped in in late November. So they they filmed for uh, what? three and a half, four months. And then that movie came out immediately after we, we talked a little bit about the, the big G suit. This one was designed unlike the 1984 Gojira suit from the inside out. So this was specifically form fitted to, to fit the, the Godzilla suit actor, uh, Kim Pachiro Satsuma, much, much better than the original suit. Supposedly, he did not lose a ton of weight after filming this movie and was able to get a, a much wider range of kind of movement in his performance, which which I really enjoyed. And they, they did everything technical in this. The back dorsal plates on Biogoji lit up it was wired so cool so they didn't have to use like the terrible after effects to to do that and it it works so well to to do things like that with the pseudomation it's one of the things i just just absolutely love about this suit Uh, we didn't talk too much about biolante's forms but the final form i I do want to mention it's not my favorite (laughs) biolante form but I, i do enjoy its size took 20 crew members, sometimes more than 20 crew members to operate at one time. There were over 32 piano wires used to lift up all the, the bits and pieces of, of the Biolante vines and and arms. This, this broke a, a previous record for piano wires on a single pseudomation that was set by King Ghidra with 22 piano wires. I I think that's probably from the uh, Showa era. I'm not sure what they needed for <laughs> Mothra or King Peter in, in the Heisei series, but it's a huge production. And I'm, I, I'm very impressed with, with what they were able to do with, with Biolante. I mean, we, we've talked, we've talked a lot about the cast, uh, the great cast here, but obviously the standout is who we're going to be talking about for the rest of the, the Heisei series with, with the character of uh, Miki. Um. Right. Uh, we, we should probably get to talking about how this movie did and what people <laughs> think about well, it. So top of the cast. You want to talk about the cast we, more? Well, we've missed a great cameo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I put this in our notes, but. <laughs> uh, well, so I don't think you know that I'm actually a fan of the band that this this person's in. Uh, Demon Kaka or Demon Kagure is, Kure, is this, yeah. uh, who you're talking about. And it's yes. like a. A really brief scene that it's the tiniest scene and like his like show is like interrupted for like a a breaking news kind of thing. I think at one point in the movie. Yeah, it looks like he's doing a horror host kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, it made me think of the movie Hackers because they they have the, the the two Japanese guys in like kabuki makeup who do like the hacking TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that that the the notes from IMDb call this a a kiss like rock singer because of his I mean, makeup. so it's that's like... not inaccurate because mm-hmm. so he he is the front man for a band called Sekima Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I I discovered them probably about 2016. They I mean they've been around since the 80s. Like this yeah. is a big Japanese heavy metal band. But they did the theme song for Sadako versus Kayako, the Ring versus Grudge movie. Oh, and the they did the the actual like ending theme song, which absolutely it's a fun song. So I I got into them by a proxy, but they are very much like Kiss. I mean they dress up. You know, he he always dresses up like some sort of of Japanese demon. And when when I when I saw that scene, I was like, I can't be the same guy. Right. And I, cause I forgot that they had been around since the 80s. And he's the only like 
consistent member of the band. There, there have been a, not a revolving door. There was an, initially a, a band band, but like since the eighties, there's been a revolving door of members for this band. And I look it up and lo and behold, yep, that that's him. That's <laughs> this guy and it, it was a real treat a treat for me watching it now because i i have since the last time i watched it become a fan of that band <laughs> and so it was it was i, I want to bring that up specifically because of that because i was like i'm pretty sure that's a dude from sacred two but i'm not not a hundred percent yeah i i got that note from from imdb and uh the, the other part of this is it says that he was the winner of the 1984 Godzilla Scream competition. I don't know what what exactly that is. I'm guessing it's like get like do a voiceover scream I for like no that's Godzilla's coming awesome. in like ah. so he won, but he was such a big fan of Godzilla. He had a radio show and kept like going on every day and being like, why haven't they put me in Godzilla versus Violante yet? Uh, and it's, they, it's almost like the, the, the radio version of the, of the Macro brothers getting into trolls too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, pr- pretty much they, they shot his scene very late in production and just kind of inserted it last minute, supposedly filmed a scene on October 28th. So like, you know, a month and a half before the movie came out. I, 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 lo- I love that, but like it tickled me to death because like, you know, I I I got into them because of their their Japanese horror connection, and and then seeing this, I was like, oh, wow, he was in Bialante. That's that's incredible. <laughs> did, did, is that your favorite scene, Miles? Seeing seeing him pop up, or I mean, do you have another favorite scene in the the film? I mean, to a degree, it was it was fun because I just didn't. I, I it took me by surprise. I mean, I love the the bit where I mean, both interactions between Godzilla and Bialante are phenomenal. There's also a line that I really, really love, and it makes absolutely no sense, is when one of the, the main scientists, the the kind of who would it normally would be a reporter, uh, the young, handsome guy, has an interaction with the assassin where the assassin ends up dying. But he he crawls out of this like kind of rock pit or whatever, looking kind of beat up. And his girlfriend's like, you look kind of like Batman. And I was just like. <laughs> how because he got beat up <laughs> yeah i guess he's he's a cool character that gets um, in fights also one thing i i do consistently love it's used i think three times in this film there are movements in the score that are straight up john williams jaws ripoffs oh and i yeah. love it but my favorite part of this movie is a score like needle drop from from akira ifakube's Oh, the, the original, like, yeah, uh, that is when, you know, maybe about 50 minute mark of the film, we see the psychic children's into institutes where the, the teacher reveals they all all the kids there had the same dream and, and drew Godzilla yeah. yeah, drew pictures of their nightmares. And when it's, they they all lift them up and we get that the the march music, it just it yeah, I love it every single it's time. It's awesome. You also get to see all that cool artwork. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like because oh, you got some that looks like doodles and some like like I would you probably had so some manga artist color in. Oh, it yeah. looks amazing. Uh, yeah. Some of those kids were really advanced drawers, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you had some help because like some of those kids, like it's, it's okay, they just let a kid draw something, and some of them like, no, 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 that was a professional. <laughs> it's, it's one of those scenes that it's like, I mean, Godzilla isn't in the movie yet, but all these human scenes are about his return about his effects and it it just does so much to build what godzilla means and i mean really this movie works better as godzilla 2 in the respect that it's not a sequel to 80 to 84 but a a sequel to 54 Mm -hmm. because we've always we've already established the fact i mean obviously in, in 84 we established this fact that godzilla didn't die and all you had to do was have two lines of dialogue to explain that and 54 does not matter. Like, yes, you mm-hmm. have the stuff of like, oh, we improved the the Super X. I'm like, great. I don't care. <laughs> like, you could also fix that with two lines of dialogue. Yeah. Um, no, because but- the Super X2 is pretty neat. The 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 mirroring idea was mm-hmm. pretty inspired until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked to a degree and then it stopped working. This, this movie 
surprisingly isn't the critical darling that you know, we might be ready as it really didn't because I mean, you know they they pulled fans in you know kaiju magazines and and J- japanese magazines for years and years of like what's your favorite godzilla movie up until the late 90s and early 2000s godzilla versus bailante was still ranking pretty low on even fans submissions and part of that Ooh. is all of them fools well, part of that is here in the u.s i, I don't think it really was it, it had some difficulties with its distribution with yeah i mean Miramax it, hbo and, and that was it right yeah yeah it, it wasn't released theatrically but the the vhs i guess releases were were hard hard to get through and hard to I, get this film around i mean to be perfectly honest i don't remember the vhs yeah, well, like I said, they're. I mean, we're not going into the history of of that part of the release, but it's, no, 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 uh, no. But but I mean, that, that's I important think... because I, I remember <laughs> buying several Godzilla movies as a kid, but I don't remember coming across that VHS very easily. I feel like I, I had to wait until it was on DVD or something. It, it the the rights were I think purchased by Miramax, but then they they were rescinded or purchased outright again after some like legal difficulties. But Miramax has been i think purchased by disney at this point so i think the american rights for this movie are in the house of the mouse at this point so what i'm trying to say is miki uh Segusi is a uh a disney princess i i i can't wait for them to well they just, I guess they're, not, they're not really doing miki because i i don't think millie bobby brown's in the third one and like she's it seemed they were leaning in that era where like that direction where like she was gonna have some connection with godzilla but i guess not. it doesn't make sense because she had the connection with mothra, mothra but they didn't bring right. mothra but back it, but in, in godzilla versus kong she's like no godzilla wouldn't do that i'm like i'm sorry what godzilla almost murdered you lady <laughs> um just godzilla destroyed would Boston. Do that and would do it again happily but i know i i liked i uh, we'll, we'll talk about those movies in a couple years um of which i'm a, I'm a big fan but a, uh, yeah, I, I do, I do, I do, I do remember like this movie not being very easy to get a hold of because I, I don't think after I saw it on HBO, I don't think I, I saw that. Well, I was but a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've recently purchased a DVD of of the the release, the the Miramax release, which has been few and far between. But yeah, I'm, there was a brief window where some company had the Blu-ray rights. I'm hoping someone gets it back because yeah, the, the big problem is this this really requires a really great transfer, and no version that you get right now really, I think, does the movie justice. Sadly, it's, you are correct. But yeah, that that doesn't stop people from from watching wherever they can find it online. And I wanted to point out one of the current criticisms of the film, I guess it's about 10 years old now was a, a nerdist article written by Whitney Seibold who wrote this film in terms of its monster, its tone, its overall impact feels like an aberration in the Godzilla series. Like the filmmakers didn't know where to take the Heisei era. And we're trying to try out something entirely new to only mixed effect. It's the longest Godzilla film to date at 105 minutes, and its tone falls somewhere between the dour reboot and the craziness of the 1970s. The film is decent, but this is lesser Godzilla. So much to unpack in just like one of one paragraph of that review. Bro, <laughs> I've, I've had too much to drink to 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 unpack that because I'm actively <laughs> angry right now. <laughs> I mean, first, first off, is not the longest Godzilla movie at all. Like there's. No. I mean, it, it is tied and is like a minute shorter than like three different films. But also 1998 Godzilla was like a half hour longer than this. Movie. Well, what did she mean? It was the longest so far, like in the in the franchise. Well, yeah, but this was written in 2014. And right, right. But even even at the time of writing, was she talking about like up until 89? This was the longest Godzilla film. Maybe, but I mean, doesn't sound right. Well, I, I don't know. It says it's the uh, longest Godzilla every, film. Everything she said sounded wrong to me. I guess it's, um, I mean, even if it's to date in this film series, uh, I mean, what, what what does that have to say about the the film? I mean, it's 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 wild to me that this that uh, let's, maybe, let's, let's let's talk about our ratings because well, I maybe I, maybe the tomato the Rotten Tomato score will make more sense to you because with only a few reviews, it has a seventy one percent fresh score from critics. 
But the audience score is also 72%. There's some people that don't like this movie, Miles, and I don't understand it. <sighs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting so mad right now. But also when it came out, it didn't exceed Toho's expe- expectations for it, and which is one of the reasons. Gunhead as well in 1989 didn't do super well. The special effects director, Koichi Kawakita, took it very hard. He did both movies and developed a drinking problem in the, the 90s. I get it's it. One, it's one of the reasons why the next few movies are going back to a original Showa era villain or ally and updating them for, for the series. They, and what's wild is I they don't, blamed it on Biolante. I don't dislike the direction it goes in. Cause I mean, we, we, we at least get two other new creatures. Well, one and a half, I guess, but it does bum me out because I'm like, we could have gotten some really wild stuff. And as much as I love what happens next, it would have been cool to get something different in between. And I, I feel that's part of the conservatism of the franchise. Like people grew up or have grown up watching reruns and uh, re-releases. And so they want to see like, oh, the, the, the same old monsters that they they love, which I which I, I certainly empathize with. But at the same time, when you're giving something really cool and exciting, like what if the people in the late 60s did the same thing to Ghidorah? You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, uh, the three of the dragon. I don't, I don't need that. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, it's classic. It's, it's, it's Biolante, a, a yeah, classic. A hundred percent. And I, 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 it's, it's a shame that we didn't see this creature return. It would have been awesome if it had returned in the Heisei era, just to, even if it like had like shared something with like versus Destoroy, like there was some sort of like narrative connection that would have been so cool. But I mean, and I know that there is the whole, you know, space Godzilla aspect where that, oh, it's possible that, oh, the Biolante stuff that went to space, you know, mm-hmm. evolved into space Godzilla and it became a big, angry, chonky boy. Let's talk about our personal ratings. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. We, we haven't really talked about it, I guess, besides me, me telling between you for, the two of us because we, for years how much I uh, love uh, this. Film. Yeah, well, spoiler warning, uh, Patrick and I have podcasted about this episode about this movie before on the more you nerd. <laughs> yeah it's been the year since I've, I've i've thought about us watching those godzilla movies but i i do remember um i think that that might have been like the first full watch time you watched of it. this in in ever but also at, we, at the we very least this since the and destoroya on that episode right yeah, yeah, and um, that's too. Much what a great one! Right punch. there. <laughs> what, 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 what's your enjoyment score, Miles, for, for versus Bailante? I mean, I think this movie's a masterpiece. I think it is the first film in the series that really captures the the science the science fiction of alarmism of 1954's Gojira. I think it tells a phenomenal story. It introduces a crazy new monster. It does some really fun stuff with Godzilla. It gives you excellent special effects, good characters, uh, a absolute crackerjack score. I mean, yes, I have some criticisms for the movie, but at the same time, like in terms of personal enjoyment, this is a 10 out of 10. This is mm-hmm. like top tier Godzilla. And anyone who says otherwise is a fool, Patrick, a fool. Yeah, it is one of my my top five. I think Godzilla films, as t- in terms of like rewatchability, you know, I I think I I love the original nineteen fifty four Gojira, but this one is just like so much more <laughs> watchable. Almost all the Heisei films are. Yeah, no, really I mean every but... every film in this in the in this part of the franchise is rewatchable because I I, I agree with you. I think Gojira from fifty four is the best film of the franchise however i'm not always going to that well if i want to throw on a kaiju film and this one's popping up a lot more frequently yeah so i i'm i'm right there with you a 10 out of 10 and i think we've already talked about elements of this but i'm going to go on to my tactical spoiler warning it's another 10 out of 10 i think this is a improvement technically in in many ways over 1984's gojira from script, acting, directing, the monster, sudimation, the effects. I mean, this is almost 
absolute peak heisei for me the the yeah. other movies are really good they do great things the, the only one that maybe gets it even more right i think is haste or um versus destoroya which we'll, we'll talk about but uh, this is my favorite godzilla suit of all time it, it is really impossible for me to give this anything less than 10 out of 10 because of that and also just the story the pacing is great and I love all the main characters. I love all the silly side characters in this movie. And yeah, yeah. Miki, Miki's in it. Yeah, my, I mean, my only technical criticism is I wish this wasn't called Godzilla versus <laughs> Biolante. I, I mean, because yeah. it's sex, it, it, it sets unrealistic expectations. And well, just, just think of it as Godzilla two big dinosaurs, the, the Taiwan. <laughs> title. Well, well, only one of them is a dinosaur. And even even then kind of. No, yeah, no. Versus Biolante or Biolante also has dinosaur DNA in it. Right? It did dino DNA. It's got the dino DNA. Um, I, but, the but code. Out, outside of that versus aspect, I think this. Yeah, everything is great. The script is awesome. You have this political intrigue. You have amazing science fiction. You have a very cool monster. You have Mickey, who is phenomenal. And we will see her from here until Destoroya. Everything about this movie is just top notch. The score is incredible. Hmm. Every actor delivers a phenomenal performance. Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you. 10 out of 10. Like there's there's nothing else to give this movie, but 10 out of 10. Well, well, what about for its evocative nature as a piece of art within the kaiju cinema uh, world? Patrick, evocative piece of art. Did I stutter? (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. 10 out of 10. And so here's the thing for me is I, I mean, no matter how this movie may have done in terms of the ticket sales Mm -hmm. and the reviews. This sets the motion for the rest of the Heisei era, which has the reputation reputation of being the golden era of kaiju cinema. Like yeah. because of this, and, and I mean, I, I, I talked about this with you before we recorded. I think Miki sets the stage for what Gamera does in the nineties, mm-hmm. and and one of those movies is considered one of the best kaiju films of all time. Mm. I think the stage this sets for the franchise and as a result for like kaiju cinema in general cannot be understated and or overstated <laughs> either stated either <laughs> this this movie is so important and i don't care how you feel about it, this movie sets the stage for what happens with this character from here on out mm. and it sets the stage for what happens to kaiju cinema from here on out without this movie i don't think we get the millennium era as we know it. We don't get the rest of the Heisei era as we know it. We oh. don't get even some of the American movies that we love, that you and I love. Like, I don't think without Godzilla vs. Biolante, we don't get Cloverfield. We don't mm. get the legendary films. I think this movie has, is a linchpin movie, which no matter how you feel about it, like the significance this movie has on kaiju cinema is absolutely integral. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm I'm giving it a 10. And also it's in terms of like establishing Kaiju tropes and a piece of Kaiju art. It's it knocks everything out of the part where I already gave it two ten, So, you know, that part. So, yeah, <laughs> 10, didn't 10, even 10. Talk, talk about the poster, which is like just one of the best. Oh, Godzilla so they, posters the, the, the of paint all they had for the, that era of posters, because I, I bought a copy of the yeah. Godzilla versus King Ghidorah poster, which Noriyoshi is artist. Orai. Like I can't. I, I'm sorry. This is dumb, but I can't remember the the painter's name who did like the Star Wars posters and the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. posters. Like this guy is the Japanese equivalent of that. Like the posters he does for the Godzilla franchise are second to none. Yeah, uh, the the entire Heisei series posters are, are just amazing. I I was originally going to drop this down a little bit for the evocative score, but like like you said, this does set the pace for the the entire versus series. It is the formula that kind of makes the Millennium series as well, I think, Mm -hmm. work as like, oh, this is a whole brand new movie every time. This feels like a brand new movie compared to the return of Godzilla in 1984. And it it really does stand up against some of the most monumental moments of the entire series. And if I'm making a top five film list of Godzilla films, this goes in there, uh, Mm -hmm. I think, for both of us. So and I. You know, I don't know if this would be the first Godzilla film that people should watch if you're you're giving them 
a I mean, list yeah, of I, ones to watch, but it's you still should watch Gojira. Like, yeah, yeah, or at uh, least King of the Monsters. Like, it's I mean, King of the Monsters is is a a solid. We gave it that an eight, but like Gojira I, is a powerful movie. I I think I, I don't think anyone the, should pass that up. I think the fandom is coming around that this movie is one of the best, and it is constantly getting ranked higher and higher on like. You know all the the Godzilla lists for all time, so yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable. And, and it pops up on like out. Cinema Blend and all that stuff. Like people, people are now like, I mean, the last like I think five or ten years have really realized what a classic this film is. And so, they, what, they what's your better. score? Did you did you say? Uh, I'm gonna go all the way up to you a ten out of ten. So this is yes! the absolute first time that we've both given a film all tens, and I, I feel that's appropriate. That's- I, 54, right? Did you not give it all 10s? I gave the technical a 9 for, for 54, so I Monster. I ruined our curve, but I, I, I feel so strongly about this movie. I, I do. Yes. But I, I think there are more in the Heisei era that will potentially earn that from me, but I'm fine with this one being oh, the, I mean, the there's, first. I mean, I mean, not for nothing, but the, the Heisei Kaiju era in terms of your, your big franchises, I mean, I would be shocked if anything gets an eight or lower it's it's pretty crazy those those i mean eight maybe the lowest but like i mean this is i wasn't kidding when i said the the heisei era and and certainly in terms of japanese cinema is the golden age like in terms of everything that we we talk about what we love this era gives us everything and what's what makes me so excited especially talk coming into the end of the season to talk about stuff that's coming in the 90s and even beyond is because of this era that I feel like this movie kickstarts, which is why I give it such a high rating for its evocative nature. Yeah. Like we get some of the best Kaiju Ega that the world has ever seen. Yeah. No, this, this feels like the spiritual start of the, the era. So, I mean, and technically is the first is the first yeah. movie in the, the Heisei era, um, but return gets lumped in there. Yeah, so that makes the math really easy for our final podcast score. 10s across the board. This is a 10 out of 10 film and one one of only three 10 out of 10s, I think, for the podcast. In, in total. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, uh, shout out the other the others, because uh, I know we have Godzilla well, it was, it was Gojira. Yeah. 1954's Gojira. I don't think I, I wanted Mothra versus Godzilla. We gave that a nine, didn't we? It, it got a nine. Yeah, the final. Yeah. I, I gave it a 10, but the the only other multiple tens, you know, rounding up was Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, which oh, I felt I'm, I'm fine with that strongly was, you know, one of the best of the yeah, show. I, lo- I love that film. So yeah. versus Hedera got very close. You gave it a nine, dropped the total. score. Yeah. And I think Invasion of Astro Monster got close too. Didn't I think we both gave it a nine. nine. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so funny. It's it, it's hard to make that a perfect Godzilla movie because Godzilla's in the movie for like ten minutes. Ten minutes. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> he's so he's he's not in the movie very much. It's a um, great sci-fi movie, though. But yeah, that's that's going to do it for 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 this week's episode. Miles, where where can folks find us if they want to talk Biolante stuff? You can. Talk to us at kaijuversushistory at gmail.com to agree with the Perfect 10 score and nothing else. Uh, you can tweet to us about how you agree with the Perfect 10 score and nothing else at Kaiju versus History, And you can look at our website at kaijuversushistory.com. Rate and review, comment, share with friends, let us know what you think. And check out our letterbox, Kaiju versus History, to see all our reviews and our watch list of films. Patrick, what are we doing next week? Well, thank you, Miles. Thank you, listeners. Uh, We're going to catch you next time when we get to say goodbye to the very uneven and short 1980s by wrapping up the decade that saw the the fewest kaiju features since we've started talking about them in the 1950s. But yeah, we're also going to take time to celebrate this podcast for our centennial episode next week. Uh, that, That is right. Tune in next time. For history versus the 100th episode of Kaiju versus history, the 1980s Kaiju wrap up. <laughs> <laughs>